here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. The floodgates are open. Marcus Semien has signed with the Texas Rangers. Welcome into another emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball today. On Sunday, November 28th, Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White to talk about this move and a few smaller ones, but let's start in Texas, where Marcus Semien uh, will be for the next seven years. $175 million is the deal there, coming off a massive season with the Toronto Blue Jays, 265 batting average, 45 homers, 115 runs scored, 102 RBI, 15 steals. The guy was amazing. He did it all. The number seven overall player in 5x5 Roto this past season. Uh, Scotty, what are we thinking here? Because a big downgrade in Park, obviously big downgrade in lineup. But I I think think he could wind up running a little bit more now just based on how the Texas Rangers play. So what are you thinking here? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're you're looking for a silver lining, that (laughs) might be it. Though, you know, it's, it's not like... I, I don't know. That that's partially dependent on Simeon's willingness to run, of course, which hasn't always been there so consistently. Yeah, I mean it's bad. It's bad. Uh I was I've been pretty adamant about uh Simeon being somebody you should take in the second round next year. But you know, always always contingent on where he eventually signed. I feel like this is about as bad a place as he could have signed. Um I mean, for for a number of reasons. I mean, start with the Rangers lineup, which you mentioned is not good. It was the lowest scoring in the American League last year, the third lowest scoring overall. And that was with them having Joey Gallo most of the year. They, of course, don't have Gallo anymore. Uh, they have been linked to other big free agents, surprisingly. Trevor Story. Uh, wouldn't want him to see, wouldn't want to see him go there either, but... I, I mean, they can't bring in enough players to to make that a good lineup, I don't think, this offseason. So, you know, he goes from the Blue Jays, a ton of first, second-round type hitters in fantasy, uh, early-round type hitters in fantasy, to, to the Rangers, who have basically nobody. So that's that's a big problem right off the bat. And then you have the park change, which I, I thought m- maybe... Uh, people were putting too much of the breakout on on where he was playing his home games in 2021, which, uh, by the way, was three different parks. The Blue Jays moved around quite a bit because of for COVID reasons. And I also pointed out that you know he actually hit the majority of his home runs on the road in 2021. But the AL East, which is where he was playing most of his road games, obviously a large percentage of his road games. It's it's a division full of hitters' parks. The AL West is opposite end of the spectrum. It's full of pitchers' parks, it, it, you know. And, and the Rangers' park is, is is appears to be among them. It's only two years in, so we don't have a ton of data on it yet. But it it, it looks like it favors pitchers. But now, I mean, Simeon had an MVP caliber season in 2019 as well, and that was with the Athletics, who also play in a pitchers' park, also in the AL West. So maybe he'll overcome it, but it it just, it adds this doubt that his 2021 seemingly removed, it adds it back in, because, you know, you have that awful 2020 season, short though it was, sandwiched in between two amazing seasons, and then, you know, you consider he's a 31-year-old, his track record is, you know, mostly uninspiring, at least as far as fantasy production goes, and these two years really stand out. Last year, obviously, with the Blue Jays, most home runs ever for a second baseman. 
how much of that was his environment. It's hard to say, but it's it's going to be tested in his new environment. That's for sure. And I'm not sure. Do I should I downgrade him? Is he? Are you downgrading him, Frank? Is he still a second rounder? I mean, I I I think maybe consensus had him going in the third round to begin with. But do we need to drop him behind other shortstops like? Corey Kluber, Xander Bogarts. Uh, let's see, he's second base eligible as well. So you could talk about, I don't know, do we drop him behind Ozzy Albies? Um, Scott, you, you said you dropped him behind Corey Kluber. I'm just <laughs> giving Corey, you a heads up. Corey Seager. I'm Corey Seager. Okay. Gosh. I, I'm asking, should we? I, yep. I'm hesitant to do that, but I, I'm hoping somebody else takes Marcus Simeon, I think is where I am. I'm hoping I'm not in a position where I have to think about taking him at like the three, four turn. Uh, yeah, so his early NFBC ADP, I mentioned there there was a few more drafts done as well. So now they're up to 22 drafts done, and his ADP there is 26.68. So if you play in a 15-team leaguer, that's a, uh, that is a, a late second rounder. Uh, if you play in a uh, 12-team league, then obviously that is an, an early third-round pick. I think, undoubtedly, it has to drop a little bit, right? Um, so... You mentioned a bunch of reasons why we should be worried. Obviously, the change in park, the change in uh, lineup context. I think, again, that he could run a little bit more. Uh, since Chris Woodward took over as the Rangers manager, the Rangers have the second most steals in baseball that's since the beginning of the 2019 season. So they are pretty aggressive on the base paths. Uh, but we have referenced this before as well, Scott. His quality of contact uh, said that you know maybe he was a little bit lucky last season as well. So the expected batting average, the expected slugging percentage were both below his actual numbers. So I think there's like a good amount to be worried about here uh, when it comes to Marcus Semien. I mentioned that ADP that's just ahead of Cedric Mullins, just ahead of Starling Marte. Um, what do you think? I mean, where, where should that where should that drop to now in terms of the ADP? Yeah, I, I think, like I said, we're talking 12-team context. Um you know, I, I don't think I don't think I'm willing to drop him behind Seeger's actually my next shortstop up. Uh, but you could make an argument for several others. I don't think I'm ready to drop Simeon there. And and at second base, you know, I could see him slipping behind Ozzy Albies, but maybe not any lower than that, because you, you get kind of that that Jose Altuve uh with Maryfield branded loud here after that. That's you know tough to decide between those guys. But I, I don't want to be the one to take Simeon. I think even even if you're talking round three, four turn, um, I'm going to have some hesitation to take him there. This is this is really, this really raises a lot of concerns for me and a lot of uncertainty. And it's just a difficult use of a first round pick, or I'm sorry, an early round pick, amid all those questions. And uh, you know, for what it's worth, and I'm still not really sure how to how much weight this deserves in our analysis, but according to Statcast. Which is only taking, which is only taking into account what a ballpark's dimensions are and where the ball actually lands, according to Statcast. If Marcus Simeon had played all his games at Texas last year, he would have hit only 32 home runs instead of the 45 he actually hit. I know only 32. I mean, we take 32 from him, right? But yeah. we're we were already expecting a big drop in that power. Um, so that's that. That's where I am now. I'm discouraged by. Where Simeon's landed, I there are about twenty eight other scenarios that I think would have been better for his fantasy value. Yeah, but Texas Rangers, it is Texas Rangers. It is the uh, steamer projection for Marcus Simeon over on Fangraphs right now. Thirty homers, eleven steals. I 
I would take the under on the homers, the over on the steals as of now. Maybe 26 to 28 homers, somewhere in that range. And I, I think that he could push 20 steals. It just comes down to how aggressive he actually wants to be um, on the base pass. Obviously, the the counting stats, the runs, the RBI, uh, we expect those to take a pretty big step back, at least compared to where he was uh, last year. Let's talk about a few other smaller moves that happened here. Scott, Byron Buxton signs a seven-year, $100 million extension with the Minnesota Twins. At first glance, I thought that this was a very team-friendly contract. There are a bunch of incentives where if Buxton manages to stay healthy, if he finishes top five in MVP voting, uh, he can make uh, more money than the seven-year, $100 million contract. Doesn't really change much for his value, but what we saw last year, Scott, was that he was finally legitimately breaking out. 306 batting average, 19 homers, nine steals, uh, strikeouts weren't too bad. Uh, the ADP right now, 67.82 for Byron Buxton. How do you feel about that? I think it's fine. I mean, this deal doesn't really change where I draft him. I, I do yeah. think it's interesting that doesn't seem like he was willing to bet on himself. Those incentives certainly help. Um, in a way, you could say that's him betting on himself. But he was only a year away from free agency, right? I think I have that right. Yeah. Um, so this isn't, it's it's not like some 24-year-old who's looking at five years of team control still and wondering what is how his career is going to shape out in that time, if he's going to get that big payday that he's being offered now, you can understand it a little more in that scenario than Buxton, who just had, at least percentage-wise, far and away, his best season. And he's so close to free agency. Uh, and, and you're right, at least the base numbers of the steal, the base amount, is is um, pretty low considering. So I, I just find that interesting. I don't know that it really affects how we approach him in fantasy. Yeah. But it, yeah, it seemed like... It seemed like he was happy to take the money when it was offered to him. Buxton has played more than 100 games just once in his seven-year career, so we know that he's dealt with a bunch of injuries this past season. He missed, I believe it was a couple of months because he got hit by a pitch on his hand, so fractured his hand. Obviously, that's not his fault. That's a pretty fluky injury. Same thing. Something similar happened to, to Corey Seager. But just to remind you how good he was on a per-game basis, 3.9 fantasy points per game tied with Bryce Harper and Juan Soto. That's what Byron Buxton averaged this past season. A few f smaller deals here. Uh, Corey Kluber to the Tampa Bay Rays on a one-year, $8 million deal. This past season had a 3.83 ERA, 1.34 whip, uh, 80 innings pitch. He only made 16 starts. Dealt with a shoulder injury. He's dealt with a bunch of injuries the past couple of seasons. I don't really think that there's much here, Scott, but it wouldn't surprise me if Tampa Bay finds a way to get something out of him. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we're, we're kind of at a point where if the Rays are interested in somebody it kind of perks the rest of our interest in that same somebody because they're they're not a team that's um that we see waste money very often they they generally spend those dollars wisely and and get a lot out of what they spend not always there have been some misfires over the years there always are but you know, to see them make this kind of investment in Kluber, not, you know, one year, one year, $8 million. It's not like you got a huge deal, but still, um, the fact that the rain, that the Rays were willing to do it, you know, no telling given the Rays, whether he'll hold a traditional rotation spot or, or whether he'll follow an opener and be somebody who only faces the lineup a couple times, never, never gets that third time through like we saw earlier in his career. Um, he did have that month, May, before he got hurt when he looked like 
it, it looked like it was all coming together for him again. The velocity went up a little bit. He was getting a ton of whiffs on his curveball. But then he missed that time with injury, and when he came back in August, he looked pretty awful to close out the season. So I don't think Corey Kluber's worth a big investment in fantasy, raise or not, but um, I imagine he will get drafted late in some leagues. That May, which you mentioned, uh, he pitched 31 and two-thirds innings with a 2.27 ERA, 0.85 whip, over 10 Ks per nine. He w- he was really good that month, and that includes the uh, no-hitter. No-hitter? Perfect game? It wasn't, was it a perfect game? I don't remember now. It was I a should, no-hitter. I should know. You know, he only did it for the Yankees. Uh, but he was really good. So I would say, you know, you probably don't want to start him in April. He's just such a slow starter every single year. You know, maybe by the time we get to May, uh, he has some fantasy relevance. Last one it, here. It was it was a strange shoulder that cost him all that time, by the way. Yep. And I believe that's what knocked him out of 2020 as well. The shortened season, it was shoulder-related then. Avisael Garcia to the Marlins. To Chris's Marlins, they finally make a move for some offense here on a four-year, $53 million deal. He was actually pretty damn good this past season. 262 batting average, 29 homers, eight steals, and 135 games with the Brewers. He finished as the outfielder 25 in Roto, and he averaged 2.8 fantasy points per game, which is pretty meh. Uh, but he, he was actually you know solid in Roto this past season. Statcast numbers say he, he was pretty unlucky too, Scott. So, Avisa uh, El Garcia, early ADP, 190.32, just behind names like Ian Hatt, uh, just ahead of Jorge Soler. So, what do you think of this move for Garcia, and what do you think of that cost? Well, you never want to see a hitter go to the Marlins. <laughs> That's, That's right. the bottom line. And they were, you know, the Rangers were the worst, the lowest scoring team in the AL, third worst in the majors. Well, the Marlins were the second worst in the majors, second worst in the NL, obviously. Uh, so low scoring team in an even more extreme pitchers park. And obviously Al Garcia over the years, his power production has been the most uncertain part of his profile. So going to a big park where we've seen a lot of home run suppression for other hitters, it's not what you want to see coming off the career high 29 home runs. He had only had one 20 homer season before that. And it was exactly 20 with the Rays in 2019. You know, he does at least hit the ball reasonably hard. He hits it harder on average than Marcus Simeon does. So uh, maybe maybe he'll be less vulnerable to his environment than than I fear Simeon will be. But nonetheless, I, I think in three outfielder leagues, you can safely avoid Avisal Garcia. And five outfielder leagues, probably going to get drafted late still. But I, I think the odds are long of him having a repeat season in 2022 particularly in that home run column i don't know how i missed this guy too i probably should have led with this but the rangers also signed cole calhoun to a one-year deal so obviously can't, can't imagine how you missed that <laughs> how did i miss that one and apparently they are still in contact the rangers are with javier baez and with uh, trevor story so they are still trying to add some more offense we'll see what happens? There was this tweet from Jeff Passan two hours ago. The madness is just beginning. This is going to be a whale of twenty of a twenty-four hours. So obviously we have that deadline looming um, on uh, on December first, where the entire league goes into a lockout. So we could see a few more big moves happen before then. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this emergency edition of Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Tuesday morning. Bye bye.
Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.